and welcome to the podcast. You're having tea with Alice. Welcome back. I had a week off unexpectedly and uh, this is a solo episode because I have been wildly busy since I landed back in the United Kingdom. I am in the midst of recording a new documentary for Audible given that the previous documentaries that I did for Audible, um, which is the one on wellness, uh, the one on meditation and the one on habit change with Dr. Ashram Pura have done very well. Um, so habit change, which is called, I think it's called In the Habit, has turned out to be one of their top downloads of the year. And so we've been commissioned to do one on work-life balance. So I landed in the UK and then promptly spent about three full days in the recording studio getting these episodes done And then in the evenings going to do previews with Andy Zaltzman for the Soho show, which begins, I think, on Monday, where I'm sidekicking for Andy Zaltzman's review of the year show at the Soho Theatre, as well as various other things. I just have not had, literally not had time to sit down and do a podcast, which, you know, it doesn't take that long to sit down and do a podcast, but I have genuinely not had time which is a bit of a shock to the system. I I was so pleased with myself for having a couple in the bank and then things got so busy. Uh, But I am back in the United Kingdom. I am, well, temporarily united. Last night was the new, um, the election and the Tories won and a lot of my arty friends are very upset about that. And uh, I don't think I was as surprised as some people have been. I feel like we are in these very interesting times where people are looking for certainty. And so they will grasp certainty where it seems to be offered. And what feels right is not necessarily a good guide. Um, This is for both, I think, for both the left and the right, maybe. Uh, Going on your gut feeling of what feels right is uh, it's not a good way to argue because it isn't universalizable it's not it's not what feels right to you and what seems self-evident to you is not self-evident to other people evidently as is proven again and again in politics in life in the way that people behave towards one another you cannot expect somebody else to agree with your argument or understand your argument if your argument is essentially Duh. It's obvious because what is obvious to some people is not what is obvious to other people. I don't know what the solution is other than to unpack your own sort of assumptions and gut feelings and then ideally rebuild them uh, with argumentational logic so that you can defend them (coughs) more accurately or put them more accurately to the people uh, with whom you're engaging, if you want to engage, of course, if you want to engage. This is sort of a secondary argument to that that I see often of why should we be the ones who are doing the work when they're the ones who need to do the work. And that is, again, sort of recursively, that's a very understandable feeling, but it's not a very good way to change anybody's mind. So whether you're Uh, listening to this and you're conservative or whether you're listening to this and you're somewhere in the middle or whether you're listening to this and you're non-allied or whether you're listening to this and you're on the left um, or whether you have a sort of a grab bag of different opinions about different things. Uh, 
if you want to change the world, <laughs> I've said this before, if you want to change the world, it's hard work. It's really, really hard work. And if you want to change other people's opinions, that is in a, in a micro way changing the world you know we engage with the world so much through our own perceptions and our own understandings and our own faculties and senses that to change someone's opinion is to fundamentally change the world for them they will see different things and therefore in their world different things will exist you know I've I've spoken uh, relatively frequently about a situation where I was with a friend and a man who ordinarily would jump out at me didn't jump out at us because my friend is big. (laughs) And having in that moment this realisation, which is that in his world that man doesn't exist, the jumping out man doesn't exist for him. So he lives in essentially a safer world than I do, Uh, which is to say, you know, there's no shame to him that's not his fault or his problem or it's not it's not a thing that he should know or should understand and he will not know and will not understand until we have that conversation where I explain what normally happens at that corner which is that the man jumps out even then if he doesn't have a context for understanding what that feels like you know if he's ever had a situation with a sudden jumping out of a man at him he's getting that situation from his own understanding, which is that he's studied martial arts and he knows how to handle himself and he's been in conflict before and all of those things, again, will colour his understanding of the safety of the world. It's also very difficult for people to draw long lines and long chains of logic, to go from if this, then that, to... Also maybe X, Y, Z, and if X, Y, Z, then maybe also, you know, P, Q, R. That secondary leap, I think, for people is very hard. And you see that in the way that people make decisions that feel right in the moment for the moment. Um, And they don't think about the long-term consequences. And that, I think, has to do with a very fundamental issue in human psychology is that we feel we attribute responsibility very badly. We're not very good at feeling responsible for knock-on effects. (laughs) We really aren't. We're good at feeling responsible for direct effects. And if you look at a lot of the, you know, uh, philosophical experiments, things like the trolley problems, you can get an intuitive understanding of that, that we're particularly bad at secondary knock-on effects. Um, We don't want to, we're very unwilling to take a direct action if it's going to end up with bad outcomes, but we're very bad at connecting a direct action to its secondary and third and fourth potential knock-on consequences. They feel like not our fault They because we are less directly responsible for them. And, And all of this idea of collective responsibility or individual responsibility is something I've been thinking about a lot when it comes to discussions about internet mobs, which are taking over a lot of the public discourse at the moment, the way that the left considers the right dangerous because of their online behaviour and vice versa, and the ways in which that kind of online behaviour can then enable or encourage 
vicious behaviour in the real world. It's nobody who is doing any of that feels like they're directly causing all of the trouble because it's a problem of collective action. It's a mob problem. You throw one stone, you are not a murderer if somebody gets stoned to death. And obviously that's the analogy of of physical violence to verbal violence isn't a good one. It's one that I don't particularly like. It's a different different uh, different angle of wrong it's still a wrong and still a palpable wrong but it's a different kind of wrong but it's a it's an easy one uh, it's an easy analogy to use and you get what I mean and I'm tired and I'm sick so suck it up <laughs> I'm freewheeling here I'm freewheeling and just telling you some of the things that I've been thinking about um if you want to hear somebody who does that a lot better than I do my twin brother Henry Fraser has a new podcast slash youtube channel which is called the man mum podcast so you can look that up henry fraser the man mum podcast on your on your podcasty feeds or if you're a youtube watcher sign up and support him i am very happy that he's doing something in public because he's a quiet and reserved person and yet he has so many interesting things to say and he thinks in such an interesting way that i think If you like me and the way I think, you will also like him and the way he thinks. So uh, follow follow that if you will. I've just been rambling. I, I am in this very interesting place at the moment to be a little bit more kind of frank about my, my position. Coming up to a birthday, getting older, coming up to New Year's, getting older. My birthday is the 7th of January, so it's always this phase between Christmas and my birthday on the 7th of January where I have this reflective period of thinking what I've done and where I'm going. There's a lot of this year has felt like weights have come off my ankles in a kind of a career sense. I've gone from gritting through every step of my career pushing and pushing and pushing and trying to do interesting things and and not and and refusing to um only do one type of thing refusing to kind of form into a, a brand or a coherent product and just hoping that you listeners you that you would find me hoping that people who liked this kind of weird unusual self-indulgent um self flagellating self self something self um unpacking other unpack this this what whatever this is hoping that you would find me i've been working for so long um just feeling like there have to be other people out there who who would like it who are interested in it who engage in it and this year this past year it's happened and I cannot tell you what a relief that is. I've been really different um, my whole life. You know, I've been a, a weirdo and an outsider and I've always had to explain myself and I have I've enjoyed explaining myself. That's what I love. I love I love explaining and figuring things out and sharing thoughts with people and having ideas and and getting ideas from other people and giving ideas to people and working through ideas with people 
And that has always made me feel weird. And when I say made me feel weird, I've been told that I've been weird for that. And this past year, it sort of clicked with people enough. And, and, and this is not to, I mean, some of you have been with me for years since I started doing this. And that's been a building thing. It's not a sudden thing. It's been a slow accretion of things, but stuff like the the Patreon getting to the point where I can survive only on my own work without requiring anyone else to hire me to do anything, that I can just do the things that you want me to do. That was a, a big click over this year. It means I can refuse to do work that I would feel uncomfortable doing or that I don't have to suffer for that, which I have done in the past. I've refused to do a lot of work that I didn't think would be the right kind of work to do, and as a result, I spent a number of years with not much more than zero dollars in my bank account. I've skated close to the line and felt lucky that I am constituted in such a way that I was brought up in such a way that I didn't I didn't feel the lack as much as I think some other people would have done. And I remember having this conversation in a law firm in in the law firm when I was talking about quitting with a friend of mine who said she hated it. She hated working there, but she she needed to have money to feel safe and she needed to indulge herself in comparatively expensive ways to feel satisfied. And we are all constituted in different ways. For her, she needed to have sort of self-care and pampering and you know things like facials and getting her nails done in order to feel like safe. She needed to have that level of, of financial security that she could have spare money to spend on those things in order to feel satisfied with herself and I have never had that that is my luck you know that's personality and you don't get to choose your personality that's luck of the draw my point is and that's a roundabout point but that that this past year in a significant way as a result of the patreon and the support that I get there and then in another way just this kind of ephemeral sense that people are getting it that people in the industry are getting it what I do and and seeing that there is some value to it and that people are offering me work that I'm interested in, these audible jobs, these podcasting things, the Bugle and the kindness of the Bugle audience and all of that has just been coming in uh, in into me, that, that feeling of, oh, you're here, you listeners audience, people who are my kind of people are here. And it's beyond a feeling of satisfaction at creative success because what I have is at the very best extremely moderate creative success um, career-wise. You know, I'm not Joe Rogan with 60 million listeners and I don't I don't know that I would want to be that either I don't it feels very personal and it's a danger it's a hazard of the career right that part of what you're selling is your perspective or you so it's hard to be a workaholic without being a narcissist and and yet this creative success that has started in this way to sort of feel 
easier. Um, it is personal because of the way that I've done it. Because I don't, you know, edit or formulate my thoughts in order to please anyone because I have exposed my working and the process of the way that I think, you know, if you come and see my shows, my stand-up is very different to what I do in these podcasts, but you'll see the the echoes and the glimmers of the ideas that start to emerge from conversations I've had with my friends and loved ones to, to the podcast uh, and then into stand-up. It's all very personal any any time anyone engages with it any time you are here i am utterly 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 rambling and it, it's part of it is going leaving home and and home is on fire and the smoke in the air of of the harbor in sydney that i grew up on where the sky was always clear even when it was raining, the air was always fresh. And then coming back here to this place that feels like if Sydney is the home of my body, where the, where the water tastes right <laughs> and the air smells right um, when it's not on fire, then I come back here, which feels like the, the home of my mind, where the work that I do and that I love is, and feeling that binary tearing and then the fact that it gets dark at 4 p.m. and and I've got a sore throat and I haven't had enough sleep and I've been working all week on these projects that look like next year is going to be something, you know, something big. This this Bugle project, they want me to co-host this Bugle side project where it's called The Last Post. It launches on the 1st of January and it'll be a podcast every day. We're going to be recording 366 podcasts next year and... That's a wild project and that's me in the lead and all of a sudden there's this potential interesting, successful, maybe, or unsuccessful and it kind of rides on my shoulder and then the Amazon special, which is going to come out probably in April next year. I thought it was going to be January, but it'll be April and I'm feeling a little overwhelmed at the moment. I think that's the point of all this rambling. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm seeing my friend's very sad about the results of this election and feeling like there are these ways in which people aren't talking to one another. And that's an isolating feeling that, you know, in some ways, no matter what you do, how much you work, you can't change people. And then I look at this little podcast, this having tea and talking to people about difficult ideas and the fact that there are enough of you out there who listen and like it, and that feels to me like such a hopeful, beautiful thing. It's, it's, it's it makes me really happy. And I, I don't normally sort of get all sappy on this. I, I don't, do I? I don't know. But um, thank you for listening. We will return to regular coverage um, and normal Tea with Alice podcasts. They won't, it's not going to be all rambles and sadness from here. But um, I just felt like having a little bit of a, a sappy chat with you because I'm alone in my flat and uh, I, 
I realised that I hadn't put one out this week. Um, and if anyone has any sore throat remedies, please email me at alicerfraser at gmail.com or tweet me at alliterative, A-L-I-T-E-R-A-T-I-V-E, or hit me up on the Patreon messenger service. Um, and if there's anything that I can do for you uh, for Christmas or New Year that will make these times feel like more fun or more interesting or more engaging, do let me know. I really do enjoy listening to your side of this particular talking at the wall conversation. Um, I am currently talking at a chest of drawers for accuracy's sake. Thank you so much for listening. I will talk to you next week. You're having tea with Alice.